I'm excited for this morning. Uh, first of all, if you're wondering, that is not my head up there. Uh, some of you may be already asking that question. Nope, not me. I have a little less hair today. But So, that, now my game number one out of the way. I like to have a little fun, so if y'all don't mind, we're going we're gonna to have a little fun talking about it because I'm going to kind of get you to have an understanding of what mind games are before we can dig into the Word. Are y'all cool with that? Awesome. So one of the mind games I do like on an almost weekly basis with my students that I'm going to include all of you in this morning is this little game called Dwayne Says. Now I am going to pick up my pace in speaking quite a bit because I'm going to get you to understand what the mind game is in a minute and how I'm going to do that is I'm going to talk really fast through this. Are y'all ready? If you mess up, it's on you. It's not on me. We're going to play this game called Dwayne Says. Basically it's like Simon Says, but I got rid of Simon and I put myself in there. So therefore we have what game? Dwayne says. All right, so we're going to play that. Dwayne says can't eliminate you for anything. Like if you were at the Clemson game yesterday, Dwayne could say you're out of the game because you were at the Clemson game yesterday. You got to enjoy games, so now you get to sit down. Okay? I could do the same thing with South Carolina fans. Y'all could be like, oh, y'all are out because y'all got to win yesterday, so today you ain't going to get to win. But I'm probably not going to do that to either one of you unless, like I say, I just feel like it because what Dwayne says is what Dwayne's going to do to you. So this is the way it's going to work, all right? Dwayne says basically, like I say, hands up, hands up. And if I didn't say Dwayne says, that means you're out of the game. If I say Dwayne says hands up and you put your hands up, then you are still in the game. Everybody clear on that? If you're ready to play, Dwayne says, put your hands up. If your hands just went up, Dwayne did not say you're already out of the game. <laughs> that stinks. All right, hands up. You did it again. The rest of y'all are out. All right. One more time. Let's just see if people are paying attention. Hands up. Good job. Dwayne says hands up. Dwayne says clap. Stop clapping. If you stop clapping, you're now out of the game. <laughs> People just leaving already. They're like, man, forget this. Dwayne says stop. Hands down. Oh, man. That's just sad. Hands down. Dwayne says hands down. Hands up. Sorry. You're like, well, after... I'll just chew in on. Okay. Dwayne says click your fingers. Stop. I saw you, Beth. <laughs> She's like, he didn't see me. Dwayne says, stop. Hands down. Hands down. Right hand up. Right hand up. Right hand up. Left hand up. Both hands up. Dwayne says, both hands up. Right hand down. Left hand down. Both hands down. Both hands down. Dwayne says, game's over. I just want to see what I had some fun. <laughs> All right. That was one of my games. Y'all ready for another one? We're going to keep building on this. Here's, here's the next one. This, this is kind of a fun one right here. This is kind of mess with your mind a little bit. I'm going to say the word silk three times as fast as I can. Silk, silk, silk. But you're going to say it with me. What, what are we going to say together? Silk, 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 silk. Now, I'm going to ask you a question real quick. Immediately what comes to your mind, you've got to say it. How fast? Immediately. All right, y'all ready? I'm going to count them off. Silk. One, two, three. Silk, silk, silk. What does cow drink? We got some smart ones in. Who said milk? Nobody? Man, that was ruined. Let's try it one more time. Y'all ready? We're going to say roast as fast as we can three times. One, two, three. Roast, roast, roast. What does go in the toaster? If you said toast, that would be wrong. You want to put bread in the toaster. What weirdo is getting their toast and like, I'm going to toast it some more. And it's like you're throwing it in there. It's going to become burnt toast. Nobody wants burnt toast. All right, one other quick fun one real quick. I'm going to try to see if I can read your minds. Are you ready for this one? All right, y'all ready? I need you to think of a country that starts with a D that's close to Europe. A country that starts with a D that's close to Europe. Raise your hand when you got it in your mind. Starts with a D, somewhere close to Europe. D. Okay, we got some. I'm in your head. I feel it. Okay. Take the last letter of that country and the first letter of an animal. Come up with that animal. The last letter of that country and the first letter of that animal. Raise your hand when you got it. All right. 
Now what you're going to do is you're going to take that last letter of that animal and you're going to put it with a fruit. And I'm going to tell you what you're thinking. Are you ready? Everybody with it? Tell me when you got your fruit. A couple of us got your fruit. You're thinking orange. Did I get it wrong on anybody's? A couple of them? Okay. <laughs> so, I got to read some minds. One last thing. Are y'all ready? I'm going to need a volunteer for this one. I can start just pulling people out of the crowd. Don't, y'all don't know me. <laughs> All right, I need a volunteer. Who's going to do it? You could have never watched America's Funniest Videos before. You volunteer, Don? Okay, I need one. I might pull somebody. Are you, are you up, Allison? <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. If she comes up, I'll kind of explain it to you. This is a penny game. It's a cool little trick just to kind of see how far people can go. What we're going to do is, just like this, come on, Allison. You're going to have to put this on your forehead, and you kind of mash it down. And then you're going to lean forward, and you're going to smack and see, and like kind of shake your head and see how many times it takes for it to fall. We're going to do it like three different times. Our goal for this game to work properly is to at least get seven to eight hits while it stays on your head. You don't even have to smack. You kind of shake but just, just little tabs. I mean, you don't have to, like, knock yourself out or anything. That, does anybody want to see her knock yourself out? If you do, please. I'll be praying for you. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Are you ready? Okay. Just put it on your head. I'm actually going to be the one to put it on your head because I want it secured. No, you want to try to get it going as long as you can. Like, the first time, it could, like, once it should fall. The second time, maybe you want to try to get three or four. You want to try to say how many you can get by the time you reach your third time. Maybe we'll go four times. You ready? All right. Here we go. No, no, don't lick. Ah! Oh! <laughs> I need to just kind of rub that off. We can't do that. No, no. I'm going to clean the coin. We're going to make sure it's good. Are you ready? All right. There we go. I think it's fairly secure. Okay, lean forward and go ahead and smack a little bit. See, pull your hand out and make sure it drops into it. One, two, three, four. There we go. We got the four. You think you get the six? Okay, let's try it. Going for six. All right, there we go. I think it's pretty good. One, two, three, four, five, six. You're going way too fast. I hit it with a little more. Okay. There we go. <laughs> All right. That was impressive. This is where it gets hard. Are you ready? How many things you can get to 10? How many says at least 15? They got they put, you ready? Okay, you ready? I'm going to make sure it gets real secure because I want you to be able to make it to 15. Are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? Is it on there good? All right, go ahead. Lean forward. One, two, three. Or, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> Thank you. You guys see? All right. So we played a bunch of mind games. What I want to do is give you a definition to the word mind games. Maybe. There we go. Maybe. Next one. Oh, there we go. A mind game is the act of manipulating a person to react to something untrue as if it were true. We were acting like there was a penny on her forehead, right? And she was reacting as if that penny was on her forehead, but it was completely what? Untrue, right? And that is what the manipulation in a mind game is. It's the act of manipulating a person to what? React to something what? Untrue as if it were what? True. I'm going to say that throughout, and y'all going to hang with me. Are y'all ready? We're going to do it one more time, make sure y'all ready to go with me. Everybody ready? All right. A mind game is the act of manipulating a person to what? React to something untrue as if it were what? True. And that's what we're going to dig into. 
We got one more just to kind of let you know. Mind games are something I really love, as we did a few up here. I do them with my students all the time. And I think all of us in this room, who's ever played a mind game on somebody? Yeah, all of your hands should probably go up because I'm about to give you a list of people who probably made mind games on. Uh, your kids, for example. Some of you play mind games with kids. The way you play mind games with kids, I did this with my daughter once she was much younger. She really didn't fall for it anymore. But there would be like food that she did not want to eat. But I knew she didn't want daddy to be taking her food. Anybody, y'all know where I'm going with this. So you see it and you're like, mmm, daddy's going to eat your food. And then you go over there, slide that bowl over and you start digging in it. Guess what? They want to eat that. I really didn't want that food. It was kind of gross to me. But I was just like, I'm going to get her to react to something untrue as if it were what? True. Uh, I pull this game all the time. Like, when you were dating, you probably pulled this. Or if some of you are single now, you do this. Like, you, are, you play those games of, am I going to text them back? Damn, I'm going to wake them wait a little bit. And Am I going to call them back? Nah, I'm going to wait a few bit. You know why you're doing that? Because you're playing mind games with them to kind of pull them in. Y'all, anybody ever done that before? One of those things. Yeah, I want some honesty in the room. There we go. <laughs> You've done those uh, mind games with your coworkers. You know, you set up something to kind of scare them or surprise them. I, I worked for a pastor one time. He had a Vespa. We hid it in the gym. He thought somebody stole his Vespa, but we told him what was going on. But it was kind of fun, mind game. I do that all the time. Uh, so that is what mind games. One more time looking at it. Mind games is an uh, act of manipulating a person to react to something untrue as if it were what? True. All right. So what we're going to do in our purpose of today is this. For some reason, my slide. Am I hitting up or sideways? Or Maybe they're playing my game on me. I'll see y'all. <laughs> well, there we go. Today's purpose is this. To be aware that there are eternally lethal mind games involving an enemy that wants to destroy us. See, some of the mind games we did were just fun little things that we talked about. Sometimes I get mind games about things that are lethal that really aren't lethal, like spiders. Does anybody in here feel that? Yes. Spiders freak me out. You can ask my wife. We have an agreement. If, she, if we see a spider in the house, she has to kill it, and I'll take care of snakes. I don't like spiders. Like, if there's a spider crawling on my arm, I got a chainsaw over here, I'm probably going to lose my arm because that spider's going to kill me anyway. It's just, it, it's that bad. Like, you can ask my wife. I don't sleep. I got to have a light on. I don't care if we're in a hotel. I don't care where we're at. You want to know why? Because somewhere in my mind, I'm thinking there's a spider in the corner waiting on the light to go out, and it's coming for me. Some of y'all know that. Like one time, I, we had this little dog named Snoopy, and like I was carrying him down the steps, and there was a spider web over there, and I like hugged the side of the spider web, and then the spider moved, and I threw my dog like down. <laughs> I was like, he'll be all right. I won't be. That spider's after me. So we have those type of mind games. That's a lethal mind game, completely untrue. There's only a few spiders that can kill me, and I hadn't really seen too many of them, and usually I have bug spray that I go get to spray them so they can't mess with me. So that's the way that goes. But I want you to understand, what we're about to dig into is that there's an enemy with eternally lethal mind games, and his name is Satan. And we're going to kind of pull back the curtain on our enemy, and we're going to try to establish some hope in the midst of all that. What we're going to dig into next is... We're going to just start in, as we unpack God's word, reveal the enemy, the process in which he tries to destroy our lives. And uh, let's look at 1 John 10. Can y'all kind of guard, guide that rest of the way? Okay, great. Awesome. We're going to look at John 10, 10. It'll be on the screen. And it's also on your uh, handout as well. It says this, John 10, 10. The thief, or the enemy, comes only to steal, kill, or destroy. Let me read that again. The thief, or the enemy, comes only to what? Steal, kill, or destroy. The thief only comes to steal, kill, or destroy. 
Is anybody going to invite anybody into their house with the purpose of thieving from you or stealing from you or killing you or destroying anything in your life? Are you inviting anybody like that into your life? Are you inviting anybody like that into your house? No. But so often, the reason this message is going to be important is because so often we allow Satan to come into our lives in different ways, in different forms, to manipulate our minds to react to something untrue as if it were what? True. And we need to be aware of his mind games. We need to understand the process that he gets us to those points where he can still kill and destroy the things in our life that God intends for us. And that's what we're going to look at. Because God has a plan for our lives. He has purposes for our lives. And Satan wants to take every one of those and destroy them. What we need to do is, the next thing we're going to look at is this. It's John 8, 44. Because we want to take it through the process to understand what's going on in these mind games. John 8, 44 reads this. The devil, or Satan, or the serpent as we'll see him in a minute. He was a murderer. He was a what? Murderer. From the beginning. If you're a person who takes notes and circles things, that's where you probably need to circle. He was a murderer in the beginning, from the get-go. Keep reading. Now, holding on to, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he, the enemy, lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. From the what? Beginning. So we've already kind of established that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and nobody's wanting to invite anyone into their lives or their homes that are going to come with the purpose of stealing, killing, or destroying, right? Nobody's going to invite someone whose goal is to murder us into our house. We're not going to keep people in our lives who continually want to lie to us, and they keep pulling us into their traps. We would never, ever consider doing that. But let's keep moving that curtain back a little bit more. Let's go back to the beginning. Before we look at these verses coming up in the beginning in Genesis, I want us to kind of establish the storyline. The storyline in Genesis chapter 1 is God creates. He creates everything. He creates all the trees. He creates all the seed-bearing fruits. He creates all the animals. He created all of these things. And in Genesis 1.31, it's not in your notes, but write it down and go look at it later. It says this in Genesis 1.31. He looked at all of the, that he created, and all that he created was very good. What kind of good? Very good. We're not just talking standard good. We're talking very good. Some of you may not understand the difference between good and very good, so let me help you out here. I love Japanese food. Anybody get an amen out here? Okay. I love some Japanese food. I think Japanese food alone is, is good. Not, not even very good. We won't get there yet. It's good. I love Japanese food. The fried rice, the chicken, the scallops, which are the marshmallow of the sea. I love those things. It is good. I could just eat Japanese food. But it changes over to very good Japanese food when one thing arrives at my table. They slap that white sauce on there. Boom. My Japanese food went from being good to what? Very good. You can invite me over for hamburgers this weekend. And I would say, man, I love hamburgers. If you've got a grass, gas grill, I'm going to say those are going to be some good hamburgers you're going to make. But if you've got a charcoal grill over there and you're throwing it on there, those burgers went from good to what? Very good, because charcoal just makes it better. But so that's just good. So I know what you understand. God looked at everything. He didn't just say it was good. He said it was very good. It's like he put the cherry on top. It's done. It is very good. That is what we see in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 2, we kind of get the description and the format of the way the garden looks. And the way the garden looks is this. It is very good. It is perfect. But there's one thing in the middle of that garden. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says, do not eat of that tree. 
in Genesis 2.17. Don't eat of the tree. He said, you can have anything you want, just don't eat of that tree. And you think that would be pretty easy. Some of you might be like, why did God even put that in there? Because God wants us to love him from our hearts, not because we're pre-programmed to do so. See, pre-programmed means I pull up Siri and I say, Siri, do you love me? And Siri usually gives me some funny comments when I say that, but she never says she loves me. And if she did, it, it would shock me, but I would also realize they probably updated the iOS and that she's been pre-programmed to tell me she loves me, right? But God wants us to love him because of his goodness towards us. Not that he was just good, but that he is what kind of good? Very good. And that is what we see in that garden. All these things. But this is where we enter Genesis chapter 3 in the fall, and we're going to continue to read. Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 6. Now the serpent, or the enemy, or Satan as we looked at it earlier, the murderer, the thief, the liar, Satan is there in that garden, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Paul's right there. Did God really say? We see the first mind game of the Bible right there. Did God really say? Like one of the mind games I play with people too that I didn't share with you earlier is like when we're competing. Like if you go bowling with me, I'm going to ask you something. Are you shooting a free throw in the middle of a basketball game? I'm going to lean in and be like, you breathe in out or in when you shoot or roll. And that, you could watch people just collapse. They're like, oh. That's funny what I do to people. But what I, unless you're against me. But what that is, when Satan says, did God really say? He's creating doubt in Eve's heart. She's running through her mind. Did God really say that? What, what is that? And here's where the problem comes up, and it's in the next part as we continue to read. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, listen to this, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and then add this, and you must not touch it or you will die. I already read that again this morning. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. Nowhere in that scripture does God say don't touch it. He says, don't eat it. You want to know where people get messed up? Because they're not established in God's word enough to know what it says and what it doesn't say. And if you don't know what it says and what it doesn't say, all Satan's got to come to you and say, are you sure it says that? And if you're not sure it says that, guess what you're going to do? You're going to start doubting it, and then you're going to start adding scripture that ain't there. You're going to start subtracting things that are. And that is when we start getting messed up. You want to get manipulated by Satan? That's one of the first things to notate. Do I know God's word? And do I understand it enough to not add to it or subtract from it? God didn't say don't eat of the fruit. I mean, he said don't eat of the fruit. He never said don't touch it. But she added that in there because she was in doubt. Let's keep digging a little bit more. You will, sh you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Knowing good and what? Evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it. Picture this. God has flooded this garden with so many things that they could eat and enjoy and said not this one thing. 
And then that tree's name was what? The tree of the knowledge of good and what? Evil. Before this point, they only knew one of those, and that was good. They knew good. Not only did they know good, what kind of good was it? Very good. But all of a sudden, her, her doubts, her mind, she was adding and subtracting Scripture. From adding and subtracting Scripture, she dug even deeper to saying, oh, it's pleasing, it's, it looks really good, maybe, maybe I should try this out. You see all the deception taking place? Do you see the thief has entered the garden? Do you see what he's doing? He came to steal their identity. They were created in the image of God to be his reflection. They also saw this happen. Still kill. He killed their happiness, their joy as you continue to follow through with it. And what else did he do? He destroyed relationship. If you keep reading in that, you see all these taking place. Because what happens when they eat of the fruit? Adam and Eve start blaming each other. Guess what's destroyed? Relationships. They hide from God as you continue to read it. Hiding from God. Relationship messed up. Destroyed. Hurting inside, they hide. We took what was God's creation and all of its beauty... And one of the things I shared with my students a while back, this is, I want to give you a mental picture of how bad it starts to get when you start to take what God's word is and what's clearly he's called to be blessed by. They were to be able to eat of any fruit they could have, but except for the one, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. But they took a fruit, and it says after they did that, their eyes were open and they were naked, and they, they had a realization of sin. In the midst of the realization of sins, it said they took fig leaves and sewed them together and put them on themselves. Here's a homework assignment for you. Go home, Google up fig leaves on bodies or fig sap on a body, and it will damage a person's body. Like, there's pictures, like, of this guy on his whole side, he had, like, fig leaf sap on him, and the sunlight, when it hits that fig leaf sap, will leave, like, a burned mark on it, like a boiled-up burn spot. Really bad situation. Because God intended them to eat of figs, not to wear fig leaves. But that's what happens. Satan pulls us into these things. Steal, kill, and destroy do we invite him in or do we kick him out with truth? And that's where I want to continue to dig in a little bit. It's a very dark situation there. If we stop there, it'll be a really depressing story. Y'all have a good day. Like, where's the hope, Dwayne? That sounds terrible. And the reason I want you to understand how bad it is is this. Also, if you read in that Genesis chapter 3, when they hid, God's words were them. Where are you? Wasn't that he didn't know where they were. He wanted them to come out on their own. Yesterday I had to chase a shoplifter into the woods, and some of you may follow my social media and saw that, into the woods, and I'm searching in the woods. And as I reread this this morning and looked at it, I thought of that guy. He ran into the woods, and he would prefer to be in the woods with snakes and thorns and all of that stuff instead of just to deal with what he had done. He ran and he hid. And I don't know when he came out or if he ever did come out. But what's on my mind is this. So many times we run and we hide from God and we would prefer to be in that hurting and that suffering and that torment of all of that instead of just simply saying, here I am, God. Quit sitting there because that's where Satan wants you. So we have all of that. 
But I want us to turn to the gospel, to the hope that Jesus brings into the story. And here's the way we're going to do it. Your next point, three R's to overcome in the lethal mind games of the enemy is this. Number one, what we need to do is we need to recognize the enemy's lies about you, about happiness, and about God. We need to recognize the enemy's lies about you, about happiness, and about God. Here's where I'm going to get on a personal level. I've prayed over these. I've re-looked at them over and over. And some of you in this room, I truly believe, as I read some of these things off, you will recognize the lies that Satan has pulled you into. And my hope is that you will see those things and you will hear the voice of God continually say to you throughout the rest of this time, where are you? Because he wants you to come out into the light of his truth. Let's just break these down a little bit, and we can keep that part up on the screen. Let's just start with you. What are some of the enemy's lies about you? One of the enemy's lies about you is that you're completely hopeless. Completely hopeless. That's one of his lies. And let me say, Satan don't always just break down like, like straight lie to you. Sometimes he gives you some half-truths, and that's one of them. You are hopeless. You want, let me just give you a breakdown on how hopeless you are. Are you ready? Nobody's going to be comfortable with us. Let's just go with it. There's this thing called the law. We'll just go with the Ten Commandments of the law. The law kind of reflects our hearts and kind of shows we're hopeless. It says if you break one of these things, then you're guilty of all of them. All sin leads to this place called death. So we're just going to run down some Ten Commandments for you. Y'all ready? How many of you here have ever lied? Here's where it gets hard. How many of you lied in the last week? Nobody. <laughs> How many of y'all have ever stolen something? I don't care if it was accidental. Okay. We already got two of those things knocked out. So, if you're guilty of one of them, you're guilty of how many? All. And all sin leaves this place called what? Death. So we've got that picture there. We need to recognize you are hopeless. But the good news of the gospel is, the first one is this. You are hopeless, but Jesus offers hope. He doesn't just call you out of something. He calls you into his life. And we'll look at that a little bit more in a second. So you may feel hopeless, but the good news is Jesus offers hope. You may feel that you're awesome. Satan may be in your ear like, you're awesome. Uh, sin says we're not awesome. So we fall into that. Who in here has ever really felt awesome about themselves just to have something embarrassing happen five minutes later? God kind of keeps us humble. Here's some other ones. Maybe that you're worthless. If you're feeling worthless in here due to your circumstances, whatever they may be that you're going through, relationships, job situations, you may feel worthless, but I want you to understand God's word's clear that you have great worth. In Psalms 139, 14, it says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you're wondering why you don't feel worth and you don't feel wonderfully made sometimes? Because we all feel that sometimes. The reason being is, is because that Sin rock hit that glass that was a reflection of God that we were supposed to be. And that blurs the image, and that makes us feel that. But the good news, hope is, God demonstrated his love for us, and that's why we were sinners. Christ died for us. Because why? He found worth in you, and he loves you. Here's another one. Dwayne, if people really knew about me and what I did, that would be bad. The good news is, God's saying, where are you? He knows what you did. He's trying to call you out. Those are just some of those. Maybe it's temptation. Maybe you feel like you keep following the same temptation over and over and over, and you'll never be free. God's word tells you there's a way out. 
Are you taking it? Are you looking for it? Do you really want to step towards it? Let's get to the next one about happiness. Maybe you need to recognize the lies about happiness. Some of you, including myself, have this feeling sometimes we just need a little more. Just a little more, and you'll be happy. If you can just get to this point, you'll finally be happy. If you have that, you'll be happy. Just one more of those things, you'll be happy. Maybe it's about relationships. You'll be happy if you finally have that girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife. Maybe if you finally have that BFF, you'll finally be happy. Can I tell you something about relationships? Relationships won't make you happy. They'll give you joy. They're designed mainly to make you holy. They won't make you happy. How many of y'all had arguments with your spouses? Was you happy? No. Some people unfortunately fall into this idea about happiness, and it's where Satan gets a lot of people. They're not happy in their marriage, and maybe that's you. You're not happy in your marriage, and you've got some, some reasons that you feel inside are, are really like legit reasons not to be happy. And I'm not talking about things like abuse. That, that would be a reason. I'm not talking about somebody being a drug abuser in your household. I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about you're like... John over there, or if you're a female going, John over there really likes this Netflix show and my husband won't watch it with me. And that's, you know, it might be funny, but somewhere Satan's in your ear going, I bet they'll watch it with you. And then it keeps the building and then you start comparing and then before long, guess what? You're looking for new set happiness. But guess what? That person's going to let you down too. God didn't design it that way. Maybe your job, it could be other things. Some people think they'll be happy so they numb themselves with things. I was having a conversation with the guy I was working with yesterday about it. He just recently lost someone to drugs. And he said it was just sad to see their decline, dealing with it in our own family, seeing somebody decline because they're looking for some happiness and so they numb themselves with drugs. They're looking for happiness so they numb themselves with pornography. They want to feel happiness, so they numb themselves with making more money. All of these things, just for happiness. And I think one of the things when I see a natural disaster like Harvey, I see is people doing what? Going through suffering, losing stuff. And you always hear on the TV, at least I have my faith and I have my family. When that destruction comes, your joy, the question will be, will the thief have already stolen, killed, and destroyed things? All right, the next thing is about God. Here's these. With God, sometimes Satan lies and says you have to earn God's favor. Adam and Eve couldn't do nothing in that garden, but guess who called him out? God. You can't earn his favor. He wants to give it. Once again, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love for this while we were still sinners, while you ain't got nothing to give, while you were living the most messed up, crazy, sinful, uh, going against God life you could. Guess what? He demonstrates his love for you in this. You don't have to earn it. That he will never forgive you for what you did. Go back to that garden again. God's saying, where are you? He wants to forgive you. Don't sit and suffer. Come out. That you can't trust God. And that's where I want to just kind of zoom over to this real quick. You can draw it if you want to, or you can just register it in your mind. We can't trust God. And this goes back to this garden thing. Did God really say, y'all need to find the train and how it works. God's promises first. Our faith connects to those promises, and then we have feelings. Here's where people get wrecked so many times. They put the feelings at the front of the train, and when feelings are at the front of the train, it's going to wreck every single time, or it just ain't going nowhere. And then when that happens, guess what? Satan's going to be there. See, God's not trustworthy. 
Why is God not trustworthy? Because you've added or subtracted from his word and you had not made your foundations in that word. And instead, your feelings are direct in your life. Marriages are destroyed because of feelings. People have jobs that God intended them to be at because of feelings. Relationships with your friends are ruined sometimes because of feelings. People go into drugs because of the way they feel. But instead, if we could just put our focus on God's promises, what would that change? So we got kind of a layout right there. God will let you down or God's not enough. God is enough. Two quick verses considering all this. The reason I share this with you, in 2 Corinthians eleven three, it says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning or mind games, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion of Christ. Look how perfect their life was. They only saw very good. We get to see sin and evil in our world. But it says that you can get pulled in just like she did and Adam did. So we need to know that. And then the next verse within that, and then we'll move on to the next point. Says, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says this. For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He'll make things look good so you feel like, oh, yeah, this is okay. It looks good. But he's masquerading as an angel of light so that you'll fall and react to something untrue as if it were what? true so once we recognize we've got to move to this point it's this number two then to decide to resist the lies real simple decide to resist the lies james 4 7 says this submit yourselves then to god resist the devil and he will flee from you easy thing if i've got an 18 wheeler truck coming at me and i'm standing in the doggone middle of the road what would be a good move for me Get out of the way. I'm going to resist that truck by moving my rear end to the sidewalk. I don't want to get run over. But sometimes the enemy comes, a thief willing to steal, kill, and destroy, and we just stand there and like open arms. Can you imagine me like doing this, 18-wheelers coming like, give me a hug. No, we don't do that. But we do that with sin sometimes, like, please. <laughs> these feelings, these deceptions of the enemy, we do that. Here's where I want you to understand, too. We resist through submission. We got to come out. And go into if we don't want to be manipulated. And then the third and final point is this. Finally, we've got to commit to renewing the mind with God's truth daily. You can't put your faith in God's promises if you don't know them. And that tells you. Our Bible study we got starting all these small groups next week. reason they're important? Because that's going to help build your faith in God's word. So when the enemy comes and he whispers, guess what you can fight back with? The same thing Jesus fought back when he was tempted by Satan. The word. Renewing the mind with God's word. What? Daily. Daily. Romans 12.2 says this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. John 10.10. When we sum it all together is this. The thief or the enemy comes to steal, kill, and what again? Destroy. But Jesus says these words. I have come that they may have what? Life. And what kind of life? Life to the what? Full. Some of you here in this room... Satan wants to destroy your relationship with God. And if you are a saved believer and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he cannot take that from you. But what he can take from you is the fullness of life God intended for you. He will wreck it. He will destroy it. He will kill it. He will do anything he can to take the fullness of life God intended for you if you're a believer. 
If you are an unbeliever, this sounds sad again, but there's hope in Christ is this. If you are an unbeliever, he will do all of these things for eternity to you without a relationship with Christ. And I'm not trying to scare you out of something. I'm trying to bring you out and take you into a relationship of following Christ that may not be easy at all times, but guess what? Your promises, when it ain't feeling easy, you'll stay connected to, and it will take you places you could have never gone before, being eternity and a full life in Christ, no matter what may come. And finally, how do I know it is Jesus' answer is Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Don't worry about what? Anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your what? Minds. Mind games are coming. Have you got Christ strengthening your heart? Renewing your mind? How often? Daily. As what? As you live in Christ Jesus. As you live in Christ Jesus. As you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Only one name meets that criteria. I already gave it to you. Jesus. 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 When the mind games come, Jesus. When the thief walks in and his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy your family, Jesus. When you're struggling with your happiness, Jesus. Not your spouse. When you're struggling on your job, Jesus. Think about him. Let him renew your mind. 